Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist TJ Malkanji. Today, we're on Friday, day number five of the fast. Uh, day number five of the fast, and so how you been doing? How are you doing on this fast? Are you uh, grumbling and complaining, or are you doing it with happiness and joy and delight? Fasting is a delightful thing when you focus on the reward and keep to the reward. And so um, I'm so excited to hear. Some of you already have testimonies, but I'm very excited. I'm stoked to hear uh, the testimonies that will unfold because of this fast, because of this time of prayer that you've been giving uh, towards you know, specific prayer points that you've been praying through. Uh, it, God, God's not a liar. When he said, ask and you shall receive, and is this not the fast that I have chosen? Then you will call upon me and I will answer you. God's not a liar. When he said he'll answer with power, uh, it doesn't just mean he's going to answer. You know, a lot of people, they say God will answer in his own way. Partially true. They mean it in a way like it's not exactly what you wanted. You know, it's something else, but nonetheless, you know, it's better than nothing. When God answers in his own way, it's always above and beyond anything you can ask, think, or imagine. So let your expectation be lined up with that. I'm expecting great things. I have actually written down in my phone seven uh, prayer points for this fast that I'm, I'm growing, actually, as the Lord leads me to pray for more things. You know, that's a good thing to do. Write, write down your prayer points. So that as you set time every day to pray, half an hour, an hour, however long you're going to set aside to pray, that you're not just having like, you know, dead, dead air and silent time. You know, prayer, there is a time for silence to hear from God, but prayer should be vocal and there should be something you're exuding, a passion and a press that you're exuding from your spirit as you make your request, Philippians 4, 6, make your request known to God uh, for him to do something about your situation. So write down those prayer, uh, prayer points. And uh, not only does it give you order in prayer, but looking back, when God starts to answer some of these prayers, you can go through 2024 prayer points for fasting and prayer in January, and you start to realize, man, God not only answered that prayer, he did better. He did better. Or God acts, a- actually answered specifically what I had been praying for to the T. God's a God of specifics. So... I encourage you to do that. Hello, Richard. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, Agonetha. Hello, Elizabeth. I don't know if I pronounced that properly. My apologies if I didn't. Let me, uh, let me just make uh, one announcement. This, not this weekend, but next weekend, January 21st, I'm going to be in, uh, uh, where am I going to be? Napanee, Ontario. I'm going to be in Napanee, Ontario, which is about a two and a half hour drive from Toronto and a two and a half hour drive from Montreal. So if you're anywhere in those areas or if you're in Napanee or Kingston, love to see you there. I'm going to be there for five days, Sunday through Friday. So actually six days, uh, 7 p.m. nightly services. And we're believing God for a regional move. So if you're, you know, fasting and praying with us, especially, I would take it I would take a, a couple of days, you know, take a t- couple of days, two days, three days to come to those meetings and God will not disappoint you. It's going to be a meeting packed with power. I'm looking forward to it. Great anticipation in my spirit. That's right, angel. Breakthroughs every day of this fast. All right. If you'll help me out today, get this word out to as many people as possible on Facebook. Hit that share button. Click that like button on Facebook. That helps us 
defeat the algorithm and get this content out to more people. If you're on YouTube, comment, 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 and then hit the like button on YouTube. We have more people that watch on YouTube than any other platform. And so, so we, that we can further our reach, what really does help, and I know it seems insignificant and it seems like, how could that add more views? How could that get more people to watch this? How does my like do anything to, to affect uh, the reach of, of this type of content? It does. I don't, don't ask me how. Don't ask me what Google's thinking. It just does. It's, it's a, a strategy that you can uh, ad, uh, adopt and it, it goes a long way. It's a small thing that goes a long way. So help me get this word out to more people. YouTube, hit that like button. The more of this type of content going out on the YouTube um, database, the more people are getting blessed, the more people that are going to get healed, the more people that are going to get saved, delivered, and set free. So co-labor with me today. I'm planting, but you can water what I'm planting today by uh, helping me out. God bless you, Irma. God bless you, Sahila. God bless you, Brendan. Uh, God bless you, Emily. God bless you, William. All right, let's get in it. Fasting and prayer 101. Five benefits to fasting and prayer. We've been doing this all week. Monday, we started with how fasting and prayer helps defeat the carnal man or the fleshly nature of things that sets itself against the desires of the spirit. We talked about how Fasting subdues the flesh, subjects the flesh to the spirit's desire so that we're not controlled by fleshly impulses and indulgences, but rather we're controlled by the spirit. We are led by the spirit, we walk by the spirit, and we live in the spirit. Day number two, we talked about how fasting and prayer is one of the ways we can consecrate ourselves to God for His usage, for His plans, His purposes, and His pursuits, so that our life is that of impact and not just a random series of events that take place, but that we live determined. We, lived, we live with a divine vision, a heavenly vision that we're playing out, that we're acting out, that we are living out in real time. And on Wednesday, we talked about how fasting and prayer can uh, impart to you a zeal, a zeal for the things of God. It'll set you on fire for the year so that this year is not you dragging your feet to get to church, but rather uh, there's a holy fire that's burning on the inside of you that drives you to the things of God, that drives you to prayer, that drives you to, to win souls, that holy flame that God's Spirit can ignite in you through fasting and prayer will actually not just cause you to have a good January, but it'll sustain you through the year so that your fire truly never goes out. Yesterday, we talked about how fasting and prayer burns off unbelief. And by the way, all of these sermons are available on our YouTube channel. They're all arch archived, and uh, we're going to make it so that every single uh, sermon has a, a fresh title so that you don't have, it's not just part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, but you can go back to each of those sessions and listen to it again. Take notes and absorb that into your spirit. Yesterday, we talked about how fasting and prayer will burn off Unbelief, it burns off doubt, burns off worry, burns off the uh, skeptic nature that some people might have. Jesus turned to his disciples when they couldn't cast the demon out because of their unbelief, and he said, this kind, and I believe he was referring to their unbelief, this kind of unbelief doesn't get burnt off except through times of fasting and prayer. When you fast and you pray, you're not getting faith, or you're not building faith, but you are burning off unbelief 
doubt, skepticism, negativity, anything that would be a hindrance or an obstacle for faith to grow. And fasting and prayer repositions you spiritually to be in the best position possible to receive God's word so that faith can come by hearing and understanding the word of God. We talked about that. We've had powerful, powerful sessions this week. And today, Friday, we're going to end this first week of broadcast with what fasting and prayer does concerning bondage, concerning yokes of bondage, concerning uh, demonic chains that might be lassoed around your life, around your, uh, around your, your neck. The Bible makes it very clear, and this is point number five of uh, this series of five benefits of fasting and prayer. The Bible makes it clear that fasting and prayer connects you to the power of God that is a yoke-destroying, bondage-breaking power. I'm going to repeat that. Point number five is fasting and prayer connects you to the yoke-destroying, bondage-breaking power of God that is able to set you free from all oppression of the devil. I'm going to read a few scriptures today to set the platform, to set the foundation for this broadcast. But listen in. Incline your ear. You know, I said this yesterday, and I really believe it, so I'm going to re reiterate it today. I'm not just fasting and praying. I'm fasting, I'm praying, and I'm also endeavoring to go on an uh, explorative study of God's Word to secure certain secrets that would lead me to explosive growth in my life. We don't just fast and pray, but we fast, pray, and couple that in with explorative study of God's Word, exposing your spirit, man, to God's Word. Because what did the psalmist say about God's Word? His Word is a lamp to our path. His Word is a light to our feet. God's Word leads us forward. God's Word never will lead you backward. God's Word is a yoke-destroying word. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So it's not just fasting and praying that sets people free. It's fasting and praying the word of God that, the, like Jesus said, when you know the word and when you believe the word, it carries the capacity and power to set you free from no matter what's been harassing or whatever's been uh, standing against your Forward progress, your forward movement. Jesus made it clear. You shall know the truth, and the truth that you know and apply will set you free. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And so I, I commend you. I commend you, Sharon, Aram, uh, uh, Tabitha, Sarah, William. I commend you because you're not just fasting and praying. You're, you're on this broadcast with me today. You're exposing your spirit, man, to the yoke-destroying power of God's word and it's going to produce. It's going to produce. The Bible says the seed of God's word can never go out and return void. It always produces the thing for which it was sent out to produce. God's word produces. God's word is highly productive. God's word is not stagnant. God's word is not idle. God's word is not just simply there for information so we can fill our minds with fresh information and keep ourselves occupied until Jesus comes and snatches us up off the earth. God's word is a transformative word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, the word of God is living 
And it is active. It's active. It's the only book, religious book, that actually carries power to get people out of wheelchairs. It's the only book that carries power to open up blind eyes when believed in. It's the only book that carries power to obliterate and destroy even the most vile form of depression and anxiety. It's the only book that when men simply hear, receive, believe, and act on, it generates a supernatural power that brings people from a, per, a position of bondage into a position of freedom and liberty. Hallelujah. That's why I'm encouraging you right now. Incline your heart to receive what God's saying on this broadcast today. Set yourself to receive from God's word today. Be intentional as you listen to these words of everlasting life. Jesus said, the spirit is life. And these words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word is not just black and white words that we read to occupy our time. God's word is spirit and God's word is life. But hear this. And this is what uh, Paul told the Thessalonians. He said, I commend you Thessalonians because when you heard the word of God, you didn't receive it as the word of a man. You didn't receive it as coming from Paul or coming from Peter or, you know, sometimes you go to some Bible colleges and they so naturalize the word of God that it kind of strips it of the supernatural aspect of it. They talk about how Paul wrote this and I'm not I'm not against authorship and all that and I've studied, I went to Bible college, I'm all for academia, I'm all for education, I'm all for learning context and I'm all for learning who's writing and who's he writing to. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, we always have have to keep at the forefront of our minds that all scripture is God breathed, God inspired, theonustos, breathed on by the Holy Ghost and is profitable for training, for instruction in righteousness and for equipping that we might be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. The Bible says holy men of God wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. And so Paul told the Thessalonians, when you receive the word of God, you didn't despise it or see it as coming from man, but you honored it and you received it as what it really is, the word of the living God that actively works its power in those that believe. Hallelujah. Actively works its power in them that believe. I want you to make this comment uh, in the comment section. Put this down as, a, as a, a first comment for today's broadcast. My ears are open and attentive to the word. My ears are open and attentive to the word. You know, there's a man of God by the name of John Osteen who's in heaven now, and he founded the Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, and he would open up every single service, and his son Joel continues on doing the same thing, but he'd open up every single service, and it'd be a good thing to repeat after me, uh, even today. He would say, my heart is receptive. My ears are attentive. Today I will receive the everlasting, incorruptible word of the living God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I'll never be the same again. And he'd have his congregation repeat that. 
Today I'm going to receive the ever-living, everlasting word of the living God. My heart is receptive. My ears are attentive. I will never be the same. And it did something for the people. Every time you read the Bible, you should say something like that. You should ask the Lord, open up my eyes as I incline my ear to your word. Open up my eyes to see the hope of your calling, the surpassing greatness of your power that is in God's word so that it's not some wasted time and religious ritual, but that there's actual fruit that is produced as I incline my ear to the word of God today. Amen. Let's read what uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3. So point number five on five benefits to fasting and prayer. I'll reiterate it again in case some people are just tuning in now. Fasting and prayer connects you to the yoke-destroying, bondage-breaking power of God that is able to set you free from all oppression of the devil. Why do I say that? 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So Paul's saying that God has a plan to take people from glory to glory, victory to victory, strength to strength. But there's something that blocks people from accessing that reality. And if you read the verses that precede this passage, he talks about how the devil can blind the minds of people. That some people's minds are blinded and remain blind until this day. But he says, when the word of God comes forward, the spirit of God comes on the scene to remove the blinders of the enemy so that we can see into the mirror. And what does James say the mirror is? James 1 says, the mirror is the word of God. We all look into this mirror. James compares the word with a mirror. What is it a mirror that is, or what is reflected in this mirror? It's not a normal mirror. It's not a natural mirror. When you go look into a natural mirror, what do you see? You see your face. You see your body. You see your flesh. You see your hair. You see the physical part of you. But when you go and look into the spiritual mirror of the Word of God, you're not seeing the physical part of you. You're seeing Christ in you. You're seeing who God made you to be in Christ Jesus. You're seeing yourself the way God sees you. Hallelujah. And Paul talks about how as the Word of God is unveiled to you and the blinders are removed that you start to have this transformation that takes place on the inside of you whereby you're conformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. Hallelujah. That shows you Every year with Jesus should be a better year. Every year, every step, every day that you walk with Jesus should be a progressive day. Should be a day where you make forward movements. Because God's word. And that's why I said that you walk with Jesus. Because it's not something that's automatically going to happen. People think that, um, you know, that 
process of glory to glory is just going to take place because I'm a Christian. No, no. Jesus said, if you abide in me, then I'm going to abide in you and that shall produce much fruit. But if you don't abide in me, and what does it mean to abide in me? You know, fasting and prayer is essentially the highest form of abiding in him. Because not only am I just praying and reading the Bible, but I'm telling God I'm so hungry to be connected to you, connected to your purposes, connected to your power, that I'm going to push the plate away for a certain time and season so that I can press in spirit, soul, and body to the things of God. That's the highest form. Fasting and prayer is the highest form of abiding in him. And Jesus said, if you don't abide in me, you'll be like a branch that is cast away and is withered and does nothing great. But if you abide in me, I will abide in you and you shall bring forth much fruit. And part of that fruit, Paul expands on and he talks about the fruit of going from glory to glory. What does it mean to go from glory to glory? It certainly doesn't mean to battle demons the rest of your life. It certainly doesn't mean constant struggle the rest of your life. It certainly does not mean a constant up and down roller coaster tycoon type of lifestyle. It certainly doesn't mean two steps forward, seven steps back. It doesn't mean any of those things. What does it mean to go from glory to glory? Proverbs 4 makes it very clear. And I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but Proverbs 4 talks about what it means to walk with God and what it means to be on a, a path that is, an, is in alignment with God's path. The Bible makes it clear in verse 18 of Proverbs chapter 4. The path of the just shines brighter and brighter even to that perfect day. And the proverbial writer Solomon in Proverbs 4, he talks about how those who listen to God and abide in Him, when they run, their steps are not hindered. So it talks about this unfolding of a lifestyle where demonic hindrances, satanic snares, uh, spiritual oppositions become a non-issue to the believer. That's the life that Paul paints a picture of in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And if you read uh, in 1 Corinthians, no, it'd be 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul doubles down on this and he talks about how God always leads us to triumph in all things by Christ Jesus. Let me make this clear for you. If you're a Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christian that claims to love God and to know the God of the Bible who is manifest in Jesus Christ, spiritual bondage is not your portion. To live in spiritual bondage, to live under the yoke of the devil, to live under the bondage of the enemy and claim to be a Christian is actually to be, there, there's, there's a mismatch there, there's a disconnection there, there's, there's something missing there. Now I'm not saying there aren't Christians who live under spiritual bondage, but I'm saying that the normal Christian life should not include spiritual bondage. And that's what I want to talk on today. That's what I want to speak on. And that's what we're going to pray about as we conclude this broadcast in the coming minutes. We're going to pray that whatever the devil's done to you or your family, whatever the enemy's been using to hinder your forward progress, whatever the enemy's been doing in your mind, in your body, or just generally in life, to keep you low, to drag you down, 
to act as a weight of resistance so that progress, if it even comes, comes with extreme difficulty, that that yoke of bondage is going to be destroyed today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Why can I say that without shadow of doubt and with absolute confidence? Because Acts 10 38 says that Jesus Christ was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, doing what? Healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus, who carried the fullness of the Spirit. You want to know what God's Spirit is doing on the earth today? Look at Jesus. Because Jesus carried the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. So everything you see Jesus do in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is what the Holy Ghost desires to do today as you receive his power in your life. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God's immutable. God doesn't change. Religion may have changed their perspective of God through the years. Religion might have changed the notion of God through the years. People may have warped and perverted their understanding of God through the years. But the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, remains the same. That's why God put it in black and white and sometimes in red, so that it can't be changed. It's the incorruptible Word of God. It's the immutable Word of God. It's the unchangeable seed of God's Word. The Bible says it clearly, that the heavens will pass away. The earth is going to pass away. But God's Word will never pass away. The Scripture says that grass can wither up, flowers can fade away and lose their beautiful blooming spring appearance. But God's Word will never wither away, will never pass away. It is the incorruptible word of God. The psalmist said it this way, Behold, O Lord, thy word is forever settled in the heavens. Well, it's settled in heaven, but let's settle it in our heart today. I don't want it just to be settled in heaven. I need to settle that and believe it in my heart today so that it can produce something for me and my family. Hallelujah. Let's read another scripture. Isaiah chapter 60, uh, Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah, actually, before we do that, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read a story many of you are familiar with of the woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. 12 years she suffered at the hands of many physicians. 12 years she was demonically oppressed by a sickness in her body. For 12 years, she hemorrhaged uncontrollably. For 12 years, she lived in despair and despondency, looking for solutions in the natural and nothing came to pass. For 12 years, she went from plan A to plan B to plan C, all the way to plan Y, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. For 12 years, she suffered unnecessarily at the hands of a bully called the devil. But listen to what happens here in chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. That's a yoke of bondage. That is a yoke of bondage. What is a yoke? A yoke is something they would use in farming. It's a farming tool that they would latch on an ox's neck and several oxes, actually. They would pair them. There'd be two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve yoke of oxen. And they would connect these oxen, these mighty beasts, these super human strength beasts together. And at the end of that yoke would be 
uh, manipulation device where the farmer, who though in him his own self does not carry the power to actually physically move an ox, you know, there's like a thousand pounds, two thousand pounds. They're too heavy for a farmer to actually move. But what they can't do in their own natural strength, they do through this manipulation device. And they, they can turn the oxen wherever they desire the oxen to go. The oxen is not in control, though that oxen is very strong and the oxen carries the potential to uh, totally flatten any human being in the natural. Because of this yoke, the farmer has an advantage over the oxen and can control, manipulate, and direct the oxen against its will in the direction the farmer wants it to go in. Well... It's no wonder that God uses this term yoke of bondage all throughout the Bible. You see it in Isaiah 10, 27, that the anointing lifts up the heavy burden and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing destroys the yoke. He constantly refers to bondage as a yoke of the enemy. It's something the devil, though in Christ, you have power over him, though in Christ he is incapacitated from ever exerting any level of influence over you. If you're face to face, he uses certain yokes to subdue people that supernaturally carry more power than he does. But because of these yokes, he subdues people and he controls, manipulates, harasses, bullies people that are far above where he is. Because remember, we are seated in Christ, far above. So in God's eyes, you're stronger than the devil. But the devil uses deception to yoke people up in bondage to control them and uh, to bring about his will in their lives, despite what God wants. That's what was happening to this lady. She was yoked in oppressed, subdued, and subjected to the harassing force of the devil. But look at what happened. She had suffered many things from the hands of many physicians. She spent all that she had, but she was no better. She only grew worse when she heard about Jesus. She came behind him. When she heard about Jesus, who was Jesus? The anointed one. The one who was the Son of God made flesh. The one whom the Bible says was full of the Holy Ghost and power. She heard about the anointing. She heard about God's power at work on the earth. And when she did, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Get this, verse 30, Mark 5, 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? So notice here, and we're talking about how fasting and prayer connects you to the yoke-destroying, bondage-breaking power of God that's able to set you free today. This woman connected to that same power. When she came in faith and touched the hem of Jesus' garment and put a demand on that anointing with hunger and desperation, how do I know she was hungry and desperate? Well, because the Bible, uh, in Bible times, if someone had an issue of blood like this woman had, she would have been stoned on the spot if she was found out of quarantine. She was to be quarantined with the lepers and all the others that were considered cursed 
by God. So the very fact that she had come out into a public space and risked her life being there shows that there was a level of desperation and a hunger that she carried to receive what God had for her, to tap into that power that was able to set her free. And that's what fasting and prayer announces to God. God, I'm not content carrying this bondage one more day. Enough is enough. I'm not going to live life like this. I'm not going to go on business as usual. I'm not going to live life at a level that is far inferior to the level of freedom that the blood of Jesus has purchased for me to walk in. Hunger, uh, fasting and prayer is a demonstration to God that I'm more hungry to be set free than I am to live how life's been for the last 10, 12 years, 15 years. The Bible says, when you become restless, the yoke shall be destroyed from off thy shoulders. That's in the book of Genesis. Fasting and prayer shows God, I'm restless, and I refuse to remain this way one more hour. I mean business today with you. I'm pressing through the crowd. I'm looking for the hem of your garment. I'm, I'm going to tap in to that same virtue that that woman of with the issue of blood tapped into to receive her breakthrough from a 12-year-long affliction. Essentially, that lady had gone 12 years afflicted by the devil, and when she decided, not God decided, if you study the scriptures, Jesus didn't even have an, an agenda that day to heal her, didn't have, didn't have her on the agenda, didn't have her on the schedule. She, was, she herself uh, programmed her breakthrough through her own act of faith, through her own hunger and desperation. She, by her own steps of faith and desperation, set her appointment with God. And that's what she got. And I love what Jesus said when she touched the hem of his garment. Jesus said, power has left me. Virtue in Luke's gospel. Let's, let's read it actually. I like how it says in Luke. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Jesus answered his disciples, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out of me. Hallelujah. I perceived power going out of me. That means, if you picture it this way, imagine, you know like how Avatar, if you ever watched Avatar, their tails, they can like fuse them with animals and stuff, weird stuff. But they use their like tails to like plug into certain things. Well, if you can see yourself as having a power cord in your hand and Jesus, by his spirit, is flowing wherever you are right now, at work, in your bathroom, in your shower, in your car, at the gym, his spirit is flowing all around you. And all that remains for you to taste of that power is to plug in by faith. That's exactly what that woman understood. Even though she didn't understand the laws of electricity, she never got exposed to electricity, she wouldn't know what a wall mount or a wall uh, power plug and supply unit looks like. But she saw something in the spirit that if I can just plug this into that, then whatever's been hurting me, there's going to be power that's going to flow through my body from the top of my head to put an end to all that affliction. Jesus said, when she plugged into me, I felt power come out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him 
and how she was healed immediately. I love that. The reason she had touched him. For what reason are you fasting and praying for? There has to be a reason you're pressing in. What are you praying for? Oh, you know, just whatever he wants. No, that woman did not come to Jesus with the, the idea that whatever God wants to do, when I touch him, it'll get done. She came with her own desire in her heart and at the forefront of her mind. She came with a desire. She had a reason. Don't just fast because everyone's doing it. If you're in spiritual bondage today, don't, and don't ever let anybody beat you down into religious thinking where you start to feel bad for having a reason. For having a reason. That's what religion does. Religion kills people because it makes them feel horrible about having a reason for approaching God. How could you ask God for that? Don't you know there's people in worse situations than you? Who, that, that's not my problem. My problem is this. And God wrote this book so that I can have expectation generated in me so I can now have a reason to approach him. You look at anyone that ever got anything from Jesus' hand all throughout the Gospels, they all had a reason. They all had a reason. That's right, Elizabeth. It's covert, narcissistic, religious abuse. I couldn't have said it better. It's religious abuse. Religion tries to strip people from the reason. Whereas faith preaching gives people a reason to touch God. A reason to press into the things of God. A reason to touch the hem of his garment and expect great things from God. When I got healed of OCD... Sitting on my living room chair watching evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth as he preached on Isaiah 53, how he bore my sickness and he carried my pains and he was bruised for my iniquities and he was pierced through for my sin and by his stripes we were healed. And he gave me a reason to believe God for my personal healing from the word of God. That's what the word of God is. God's word is essentially God saying, here's your reason to ask me for that. Here's your reason to believe me for that. Here's your reason to press in so that I can give those things to you. Here's the reason. Here's why. Here's why. That woman heard about Jesus and she got a reason to now press in for her own breakthrough and miracle. That's what I want this broadcast to do today. I want it to steer into you a holy indignation and irritation at the devil's mess and crap that you've been putting up with the last couple of months or years. And I want to give you a reason, like that woman had, to press into the hem of God's garment and touch him so that the same power that went out of Jesus would be the same power that comes into you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fasting and prayer is what speeds up that whole process. Fasting and prayer is the greatest way. It's like, you know how there's like different metals that have different um, levels of conductivity? There's different metals that have different levels of conductivity. There's some metals that are highly conducive for electricity. And then there's some that will emit electricity, but they don't quite carry the power to uh, take on more powerful appliances 
or more powerful sources of electricity. Fasting and prayer, if I can say it this way, is the highest conductor of God's power. Where when you plug in through fasting and prayer, it's, it's the highest conductor of the power of God. It's what brings God's power to rush into your situation. It's what accelerates things supernaturally. How do we know that? Well, Isaiah 58. And don't worry, we're going to pray in a couple of minutes, and we're going to believe God. I'm not, I'm not talking to talk today. I've been fasting for five days now, and uh, we're going to continue on this next week. Some of you have been fasting. I think a lot of you have been fasting, at least doing six to six, however. Um, and I can feel with the hunger that, that people have, even just watching this broadcast, I can feel it pulling on me right now. I, it's amazing as a preacher. You can feel when people are hungry for God's power. We're not sitting down here to just read some nice things about some historical figure that walked the earth 2,000 odd years ago, and then we're going to dismiss with a quite... A, 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 a quiet religious prayer. Father, we just pray as we part our separate ways. Would you bless us and keep your hand upon us? Lord, would you uh, guide us as we go home today and as we do our work in our offices? Lord, would your divine wisdom be upon us? We're not doing that. We, we're believing God. This broadcast, uh, it's like when you go into certain environments in like uh, industrial areas and you'll see signs that say danger. Danger, um, high voltage electricity. Do not touch this fence, high voltage electricity. That's what I'm believing this broadcast to be today. Dangerous to the devil because of the high voltage of God's power that's being radiated from this broadcast into wherever you're at. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 58, verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? So what kind of fast did God choose? What kind of fast does God want? What does God want you to expect out of a fast for your own self and then also to be empowered to do towards others? One, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. This, what Isaiah is saying here, or God speaking through Isaiah here, he's saying that the fast that I like, or what you'd ex you should expect out of a fast is this. One, believe me to break any bond of wickedness on your life, but also believe me that I'm going to empower you to be a bondage breaker in your generation everywhere you go. So it's twofold. And that's what I believe the Lord's going to do to you today on this broadcast. Not only are you going to be set free, you're going to be an agent of God's delivering power on the earth to set others free from that same yoke that God set you free from. Freely you receive, now God empowers you to freely give. Is this not the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. Well, what are, see, it's nice to read that. And I think a lot of people, they read that and they believe God can loose us from bonds of wickedness. But what in the world is a bond of wickedness? And what could constitute a bond of wickedness? What could be classified as certain bondages? What kind of bondages do human beings suffer with at the hands of the devil? Well, number one, sin. Sin. Sin is a yoke. Some people are good Christian people, 
that don't want to sin anymore, don't want to live uh, in this cycle of falling to temptation constantly. They don't want to recommit these acts that they know in their own hearts that God is not pleased with it. And yet, they keep falling. And I'm going to remind you of Romans 6. God's program for the believer is not, we sin every day. We'll never stop sinning. How many of you know we sin every day? I'm sinning right now. No. God's program for the believer is not this constant, vicious cycle and loops of falling into different types of sins all throughout the... And then, you know, 10 years after coming to Christ, you're still a recovering alcoholic. You're still recovering from porn addiction. You're still recovering from, you know, anger issues. And you're still recovering. There should be a point in time where sin no longer has dominion over you and you're now walking in God's grace and power, which I'll remind you, grace is not a license to keep on sinning. Grace is God's empowerment and spiritual force that comes on an individual whereby they now carry the power to go and sin no more. Hallelujah. That's what grace is. Grace is not power God gives you to keep sinning but not feel guilty about it. Grace is power to go and sin no more. Grace is God's supply of power whereby the yokes of sin that would keep you in bondage are broken. Hebrews 12 says we are to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us and the weights that hold us down. Well, why did the writer of Hebrews say we can lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us and the weights that hold us down unless it, were power, uh, unless it, there, um, unless it was possible to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us? Why would Jesus say you must be holy even as I'm holy unless it was possible to live holy as God is holy? Why would the Bible say we should go and sin no more unless it was possible, obviously not in our power, but in God's power to go and sin no more? Why? I would think the most twisted and the most... Uh, most twisted and cruel thing you can do to someone is give them a task that you yourself know they'll never be able to do it. I think that's cruel. I think that's horrible. And like I said before, in your own strength, you don't have the power to live a holy life. In your own strength, you don't have the power to live in a way that pleases God. Or as Paul puts it, a, a, a manner that is... Um, worthy of the gospel into which we were called. In our own power, we don't have the capacity to live in such a way. But Paul said in Ephesians 6 and verse 10, we are to be strong in what? The Lord and in the power of His might. Zechariah 4, 6, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So the Christian lifestyle, void of God's power, is impossible. Prone to failure prone to uh, constant frustration, prone to struggle. But the Christian lifestyle lived by God's power is that of victory. It's that of triumph. It's that of freedom. And so if you study Romans 6, you see that. Paul talks about how we are now dead to sin because of the power of God that lives in us. And the laws of sin and death no longer hold us down because of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus empowering us to live a holy life. 
to live in repentance, to live in faith, to live clean. Who can ascend the hill of the Most High? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. God's Spirit not only purifies your heart through regeneration in the new birth, but He cleans your hands and He empowers you to keep your hands clean after that. Leonard Ravenhill said something that I'll never forget. He said this, The greatest miracle God ever does for a man is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world, put him into his kingdom, clean him, wash him, sanctify him, make him holy in his own sight, grab that now holy and clean man, put him back into an unholy, unclean world, and keep that man holy and clean and undefiled. Hallelujah. That's the greatest miracle God could ever accomplish for a man, for you. So what are some bondages of the enemy? One, bondage of sin. And I know some of you have been exposed to the garbage, antichrist, demonic teaching that we all sin every day and to live, you know, we're, we're never going to not sin. We're never going to... Now, I'm not saying you don't carry the capacity to sin after you come to Christ, but why make that your confession? We're never going to not sin. I'm probably going to sin today. How many of you know we're probably going to sin after this broadcast? Why make that confession? Why not say what Paul said rather? I'm free from sin and sin no longer reigns in my mortal body that I should obey it any longer. Why? Because you have people that come out, they hear something like this and say, oh, you're telling me you've never sinned again after you came to Christ? No, I've sinned. But if he's faithful and just to forgive me of sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and I certainly go, don't go on confessing, oh, is today going to be the day I sin again? Is the day, today going to be the day where I fall back into that trap of sin? Is today going to be the day where I get angry and flip someone off on the highway? Is today going to be the... I, I certainly don't let that be my expectation. I say what the Bible says about me. I forget those things which are behind not that I have apprehended perfection, Paul says, but I forget those things which are behind and I'm pressing forward to the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Why do we talk like this? Because the lighter you are on sin, the harder it's going to be on you. But the harder you are on sin, the lighter its strength will be in you and on you. So the, the number one thing, if you're struggling with sin today, addiction, perpetual falling back into addiction it's like you live clean for three months and then you're back on the pipe and you're back in the needle and you're back on the pill. I'm telling you, God today, right now, and I feel this so strong in my spirit. If you're struggling with addiction, pill addiction, fentanyl addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, pornography addiction, addiction, even just the things that people might see as harmless, addiction to Netflix, Addiction to television, addiction to food. I'm telling you, God's yoke-destroying, bondage-breaking power is being sent forth your way right now. All that remains is for you to say, Lord, I receive it for my situation, and I'm free today. I'm free today. I speak in the mighty name of Jesus over whatever addiction's been Acting as a weight to hold you down. That weight is set aside. That addiction is broken. That chain of bondage is, snaps off your life today. It breaks to nothing in the name of Jesus Christ. No more bondage. No more chains. No more condemnation of your past. You are free in Jesus' mighty name. Be free. 
Be free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Receive that for your own self right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, make that confession just like Sharon did. I am free today. I'm free today. And I love how she put today. I'm not free tomorrow. I'm not free in some timing of someone else's timing. I'm free today. I'm free today. Today is God's day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to be free. I'm free today. Praise God. So what else? What other uh, bondages are there? What other heavy burdens are there? Whatever oppressions are there? Whatever yokes? What other yokes are there that people struggle with? Sickness and disease. Some people don't have problem with sin. That, that, that's been done with. They're living holy. But there's a sickness in your body. There's a disease that cripples your body. There's something that's inhibiting you from with fervor and zeal doing everything God's called you to do. There's something in your body that the enemy's using to kind of handicap your potential. Maybe it's a tumor. Maybe it's a, 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 a constant back problem, sciatic pain. Maybe it's you're in a wheelchair. Let me tell you what, God, what Jesus told the donkey that was tied to the pole. Jesus told his disciples, go and get the donkey. It's tied to a pole, but I have need of it. And if the master of the donkey says, what are you doing with my donkey? You should tell him, the Lord has need of it, and he'll let it go. We, if you're in sickness, you're in disease, you represent that donkey. You're tied to a satanic rope that the enemy's trying to keep you back with. But just as Jesus gave the instructions to the disciples to go and tell the master of that donkey to let that donkey go because the Lord has need of it. God has need of you. God has need of you. And he can't use you to his fullness of what he wants or desires to use you to do while you're still, you know, how am I going to do everything God's called me to do if I'm still tied to an IV unit in a hospital bed somewhere? How am I supposed to do everything that I'm called to do if I was going to get dialysis three times a week? How am I supposed to do everything God's called me to do if I'm a heavy diabetic now and I, I, I have faint spells and neuropathy and I've got pain where, I, I, where they're threatening now to cut off my limbs and everything. How are you supposed to do everything that God's called you to do like that? Yeah. Like that donkey, you're tied to a wooden pole with a rope tied around your neck to keep you small, to keep you low, and to keep you down. But Jesus said, the Lord has need of it. And what happened? The master of that donkey, which remember, the master of sickness and disease is the devil. He's the author of it. He's the only one that can give it. God doesn't have any of it, so how can he give any of it? Jesus said, the master will let him go. What happened? They went, they said the, the Lord has need of it, and the donkey was let free. And what did God, what did Jesus use that donkey to do? To usher his presence into Jerusalem. God wants to use some of you to usher his presence into a city. God wants to use some of you to usher his presence into a nation, to usher his presence into your family, to usher your, his presence into a workplace, into a Walmart, into a Costco, into a barbershop. I don't know. But 
You have to be first let free, set free, loosed, and let go. In Jesus' name, anything that has been physically disabling you, anything that has been causing pain in your body that gets you just want to cuddle up in bed and stay in bed all day, in the name of Jesus Christ, I curse that thing with the curse of God and command it to wither. Any tumor in your body that is producing worry, anxiety, concern, pain, any tumor in your body that malignant or benign, I don't care what it is, whatever God didn't plant in your body gets uprooted right now in Jesus' mighty name. The yoke-destroying power of God destroys the yoke of sickness. And not only just today, once and for all, that the last sickness you ever had will be the last sickness you ever have. In Jesus' name. From today, enjoy divine health. This year, 2024, is going to be a year of divine health. A year of divine strength. Not a year of constant hospital visits. A year of the only time you go to a hospital is to get someone else out of it. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And I'll go through one more yoke, and then we'll pray. What other yokes of, of bondage does the enemy have that keeps people down? Whatever, what other heavy burdens does he use to oppress people with? That we read in Isaiah 58, fasting and prayer sets people free of it. Depression, anxiety, mental bondage, worry, fear. The Bible says we cast down every stronghold of the mind and we take every thought of worry, anxiety captive to the obedience of Christ. Today, in the name of Jesus, by the Spirit of the living God, anything that has been like a, it's been acting like a prison cell in your mind, mental bondage, where you are a victim of your own racing thoughts, in Jesus' name, we put an end to that today. The Bible makes it clear. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when you join your hand into his nail-scarred hand, guess what happens? Out of that nail-scarred hand flows the peace of God that surpasses all understanding into your own life, into your own mind. The Bible says it very clearly that Isaiah, 50, uh, Isaiah 48, that if you'll listen to God, then God's peace will flow like a river. Yeah. What should flow out of you is not worry, depression, suicidal thoughts, and constant concern. What should flow out of the born-again, spirit-filled believer is a river of peace. And in Jesus' name, I prophesy that that river of peace, that river that makes glad the city of God, is going to flow out of your spirit from this day onward. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. No more battling depression. No more battling suicidal thoughts. No more battling anxious panic attacks. No more battling mental bondage. No more battling uh, constant thoughts of worst case scenarios playing out before you. All of that gets broken today. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He did give you a spirit though. The Holy Ghost, who is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I break the cycle of panic attacks over your life in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Can you picture Jesus curled up in a corner somewhere? 
with his arms wrapped around his shoulders, going back and forth saying, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. Can't do it anymore. I don't know what's having a mental breakdown. No, I can't picture Jesus doing that. I have the same mind in me. Whatever I can't picture Jesus doing, I will not do. Whatever I can't picture Jesus doing, I'm not going to have as my portion. Whatever I can't picture Jesus going through, I'm not going through it. Can you picture Jesus going through a mental breakdown, a midlife crisis? Nowadays, you have people having quarter-life crises, 25 years old, losing their minds, where their, the pills don't even work anymore. They got to do shock treatment and go to mental psych wards and all that. that that's, not, that's not God. That's a demon of fear. That is a heavy burden designed to render your life ineffective, useless, and void of fruit. It's hard to be fruitful if you're bound by sin, bound by sickness, and bound by mental struggles and battles. But that's, what's gonna, that, that's why we did this broadcast today. To connect you to that same virtue that that woman with the issue of blood connected with, that put an end to the plague of long continuance, the 12-year-long affliction seized in one touch of the hem of his garment. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If it's sin, we're going to pray now. If it's sin, if it's sickness, disease, if it's mental bondage, right now as we pray, you're going to be set free. Right now as we pray, the liberty that belongs to God's children is going to become your reality in Jesus' mighty name. The Bible says he delivered us from the powers of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his son. Delivered. Doesn't say he will deliver us. He has delivered. What does that mean? The power to set you free is on the table right now. It's, all, it's set. The table is set. The table is set. All that remains is for you to pull up a, a seat to the table of God and put your face headlong. We might be fasting physical food, but God wants you to feast on his nourishment, his power today. In Jesus' mighty name, let's pray right now. Let's pray with great expectation that the Lord is going to do something for you that physicians couldn't do, psychiatrists couldn't do, human institutions we're powerless to accomplish. God will do right now for you. For with God, nothing is impossible. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. How many does God want to set free today? Healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, and not doubt in his heart, but believe he shall have what he says. Whosoever. How many? Whosoever. Whosoever. There's an old song they used to sing growing up in church. Whosoever surely meaneth me. If it's whosoever, then it's you. If it's all, then that means me. Personalize the word for yourself today. Don't just 
make a generic statement, God still heals. No. If God still heals, then God still heals today. And if God still heals today, then God's still healing me. Hallelujah. God's healing me. If God heals, then that means God he God's healing me. Because he's no respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. And if you'll have faith, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him by the laws of faith. You shall not be disappointed. The Bible says those who put their trust in the Lord shall never be disappointed. So let's pray knowing that, keeping that in mind. Let's pray that as we fast and pray, even now, that we are, like I gave that analogy before, we're taking our power cord and we're plugging it into the supply unit called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And anything that's not of God gets electrocuted out of our system today, gets zapped out for good. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your yoke-destroying power. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing that lifts up the heavy burdens and destroys the yoke of captivity. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that the Bible says undoes the heavy burdens, lets the oppressed go free, and breaks every yoke. Thank you for the anointing that the Bible says in Luke 5 was present to heal people. Thank you for the anointing that Jesus carried in his own physical body. That when the woman with the issue of blood touched him, he said, power went out of me. Power went out of me. Thank you for that same power that raised Christ from the dead. That was in his physical body. But now, by the Holy Spirit, is transmitted throughout all the earth. Without any geographical constraint. Without any geographical boundary. In any nation. In any region. In any city. In any place. That, that anointing is flowing. By faith, even now as we fast and pray, we connect. We connect our situation into that mighty power. And we thank you, Lord, that today is a day of breakthrough and a day of turnaround. Thank you that today your power goes to war against every oppression of the devil. Thank you that sickness is being healed even now. Terminal illnesses. Illnesses that doctor says we don't have an answer to. Sicknesses that are listed as a curse of the law. Sicknesses that uh, are terminal in nature. That are impossible for man to cure. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you, Father, that your power drives it out of their, their bodies even today. That your power drives out every form of sickness and disease from anybody's body watching here live and on the replay. Be made whole by the virtue of Jesus Christ. The same resurrection life of God transmitted into your body right now. We take authority over every chain of sin. Any demonic bondage that would keep people into perpetual sin and vicious cycles of sin demonic bondage that would keep people battling the same sin for year on year on year on year. It ends today in Jesus' name. It ends today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I loose God's power to break you out of that cycle of sin in the name of Jesus. 
Sin will no longer dominate your life. You are going to have dominion over sin from today onward. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, go and sin no more. Not in your power, but in his might. Go and sin no more. I break the cycle of porn addiction in your life. I break the cycle of alcohol addiction. I, I curse the taste of nicotine, of marijuana, of alcohol on your mouth. The next time you try any of those things, it'll be so repulsive to you. It'll be as if you put a baby's diaper in your face. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Come on, for the next couple of minutes, pray with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you clean us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for taking out the desire to sin from people today. Father, people who have said, I, don't even, I can't even picture a life without doing this thing. I pray, Father, that there'd be such a transformation today that they think they're living in a dream. Lord, not only forgive from whatever they've done, but Father, I pray that there would be bondage-breaking power that would set them free, that the desire to ever even do that thing again would be gone in Jesus' name. That, there, that the, the same way there was an excitement to sin, Father, that there would be such a loss of interest in any of that, that it would look so stupid to do that. Just like for me, when I look back at what I used to do, how I used to drink, go to clubs, do all that stuff. And now I look at it as like the most ridiculous, non-productive, foolish thing to do. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that there'd be a transformation that takes place. That the things that used to excite them, the things they used to brag about, Father, that there would be such a, a not a shame, but such a change of mind towards those things that what they used to be excited about would look so ridiculous in their new perspective, in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that any tie to any human that the enemy's using to drag people back into the ditch of sin, any relationship that may be in anybody's life here watching live or on replay that has been a relationship that facilitates sin, that encourages sin, that steers on sin, Father, I pray, may they lose that number. May they lose any interest to connect with that individual again. Father, I pray let that relationship be broken in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, let the fruit of holiness be evident in our life. And now let's pray finally for mental bondage. In Jesus' name. Anybody watching here now alive or on replay? that struggles with fear, thoughts of suicide, thoughts of anxiety, panic, in the name that is above every other name. As you delivered me of OCD, you set me free from depression, anxiety, and that spirit of bondage that leads to fear. 
as you poured out the spirit of adoption into my heart, the spirit that prompted me to cry out, Abba, Father, I pray, Lord, let there be a flushing, a flushing out of every ounce of fear, depression, anxiety, and let there be a pouring in, a pouring in of confidence, of faith, and of soundness of mind in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I command your mind to be sound and stay sound. I command your mind to be aligned with the mind of Christ in peace, in serenity, and in soundness. In Jesus' mighty name, anything in your mind that would disturb peace, that would disturb your joy in the name of Jesus, it flushes out today. Every thought that is contrary to the peace of God, we take captive and we expel in Jesus' mighty name. I loose the peace of God into your spirit right now. I loose the joy inexpressible and full of glory to overwhelmingly take over your hearts, your, 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 the, the real estate in your heart today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We don't give one inch to the devil. We don't give one inch. There's not one piece of real estate, spirit, soul, and body that belongs to the devil. I'm going to glorify God in my body. I'm going to glorify God in my spirit. And I'm going to glorify God in my mind. Pray with me for just two more minutes. In the name that is above every other name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your peace that flows like a river. Thank you that great peace have they that love your law, and nothing shall cause them to stumble. Thank you that your word says that if we'll look on you and keep our eyes stayed on you and fixed on you, that you'll keep in perfect peace those whose eyes <coughs> are fixed on you. We look to you, O God. May our faces become radiant, and let everything that represents shame be gone. In Jesus' mighty name, every prison cell of the mind, I command... The opening of prison doors right now in Jesus' mighty name. Instead of sorrow, receive the oil of joy. Instead of the ashes of depression, receive the beauty of joy. Instead of the spirit of heaviness, receive garments of praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Instead of tears of sorrow, receive shouts of laughter. In the name of Jesus. Weeping endures for the night. Joy comes now in the morning. Every tear the enemy caused you to sow in sorrow. Receive seven times more tears of joy and laughter. The only time you'll ever have tears come down your face will be tears of joy and tears of laughter. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For he turns our mourning into dancing and our weeping into shouts of joy. Receive that today. Receive a fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord becomes your strength from today onward. No more depression. No more locking yourself up into your bedroom, turning down the drapes and putting on Lifetime Movie Network as you sob yourself to sleep. No, no way. 
You're not only going to have joy, you're going to be a joy bomb. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, joy is going to blow up. Everywhere you go, joy is going to be like an infection. You're going to be a super spreader of joy. Hallelujah. A super spreader of joy. Highly infectious. You'll have to wear like a joy mask to keep it from getting on other people. You'll have to keep six feet distance to keep it from getting on other people. Because there's going to be such an infectious spirit of joy that comes on you right now. Ha ha ha. Some of you, I'm telling you, the spirit of suicide is coming off you right now. I feel that anointing right now. The spirit of depression is breaking off your life for good. What's come upon your grandparent that came on your parent, now it's on all your siblings and you feel it coming in on you, telling you that thing. That thing will never have a voice of influence in your life. In Jesus' name. The kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.